You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached during the online worship service of Central United Methodist Church. We are located in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to join us for our live worship experience through Facebook or Zoom every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Visit www.cumcballston.org for details. There you can also learn more about our congregation where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. These, from our Gospel lesson, are very familiar words. We've heard them many times before. Some of us, maybe too many times. You see, this is from the gospel lesson of our service of death and resurrection. These are the words you would hear from the minister. They're meant and work as words of comfort so that those who have lost a loved one can hear the good news that their loved one is in a place with Jesus and in love. But, Today's reading shows that these words mean so much more than for a funeral service. Our scripture reading today takes us to the last normal evening of Jesus' ministry. He's just told us his closest friends that he is going where where they cannot follow him. For the first time in three years, 
he will be leaving them and they cannot follow. And this is hard news indeed. From where they sit, Jesus and they are on the brink of a glorious victory. They are in Jerusalem. They've had a glorious entry on Palm Sunday. They've come to the city with the cheers of the crowd. They've taken over the temple, cleansed it. They've been with Jesus as he's pushed back and bested the temple scribes and lawyers. So where's their leader going now where they can't follow? As so often happens in Scripture, Jesus seems to be talking past his apostles. And you know the place where I am going. They do. Not according to Thomas. He asks, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And the answer, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Philip comes in. Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And they get another strange response. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. This conversation is very much like the conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus had that John reports earlier in his Gospel. That was the one where Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the nighttime and learns about being born again and he can't quite understand what Jesus is talking about. Born again from above, the wind blows where it will. These were puzzling to Nicodemus. And Jesus' responses here are puzzling, but, but here the stakes are much higher. Here Jesus is not just instructing the apostles. He's preparing them. Preparing them for the worst days of their lives. Where they expect a total victory from their Messiah, they will see and experience total defeat. A total disgraceful disaster. Now, this is a surprising scripture to be reading today on the fifth Sunday of Easter. It's been five Sundays since the Easter celebration. And we're now cast back in time before Easter, before Good Friday. Why are we doing this? What's the lesson here? The answer is that in this short passage, we have a beautiful picture of what the Easter story is. The death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus the Christ, and what it can mean for us. In today's scripture, with simple, direct words, Jesus describes his fulfilling work of salvation. In his death, he frees us from sin and shame. In this, he reconciles us to the Father. In this, he indeed prepares a place for us in his Father's house. In his resurrection, Jesus frees us from the fear of death and beckons us to the promise of the new kingdom. In doing this, he does come again to bring us into a place so that where he is, we are also in a new creation. Of course, the apostles could not have understood the words then when they were spoken. Jesus' promises, unseen then, would only be validated after they had abandoned him, after they had denied him. These promises could only come true after they had been utterly defeated, broken in their expectations, and broken in their very lives. Jesus' words spoken to still their troubled hearts would come to ring hollow after the horror of Good Friday. 
And those words said to comfort and meant to comfort would be a painful ache during Jesus' absence during Holy Saturday. Jesus' words of comfort would only dimly come into perspective with the confusion of a resurrection on early Easter morning. Let not your hearts be troubled. What must have to the apostles seemed like a vague disease on that last normal evening would grow in the coming hours into a terror. They would have to go through a trauma of loss and fear and confusion before they could find the comfort that Jesus had promised them. They'd have to experience a transformation before their hearts could become, become untroubled and at peace. Today, our world is different than theirs. The apostles could only dimly understand before that Good Friday and before that Easter what, if anything at all, there was hope and comfort in Jesus' words. We, from our place now in history, we can see that whole story. The question for us today is whether we're willing to see that whole story. Today, our world is different for us too. We're living in a changed world. Like the apostles, many of our hopes and expectations and certainties that we held so dear just a few months ago have been radically, terribly changed. And some disappeared entirely. In January, did, did we expect to be out of work? In last January, did we expect to be homeschooling our children? Last January, did we expect to be wearing face masks when we went to the stores? How many of us in January knew what the words N95 meant? Never mind why they'd be important. And what about keeping social distance? What about vaccines? What about being cut off from others? I'm speaking to a church that, as the church of the people, is all of you. But I can't see you now. I'm looking out onto empty pews. I didn't expect that in January. And I don't think you did either. We, we've been changed. And as we slowly become, be coming out of our isolations, we'll be coming into a world that has been changed and changed utterly. Was what was once mundane, not even on our conscious radar, will become very important. Question. How many of you now are startled if you see someone in the stores or someone on the street who is not wearing a face mask? How many of you now are startled if you're out in the world and somebody is not staying that distance away from you? How in this new world can our hearts not be troubled when the fear of an infection can take down not just our own ability to be with the few people we can be close with, but can endanger our very lives and the lives of the those we love. Are we willing to believe in God and believe in Jesus so that our hearts are not troubled? Or are we going to pen Jesus' words up into a small box and only take them out and dust them off when we're at a funeral? Change, even good changes, cause trauma. Some years ago, there was a study done in which 
the idea was you would score points for life changes that may have occurred to you uh, during a 12-month period. It came out of a clinical study that demonstrated that stress, even good stress, could lead to illnesses. So the idea was that points were assigned to various life changes. So many points for being divorced. So many points for getting married. So many points for starting a new job or having been sick or having a sick child. And the idea was you would kick off those changes you had gone through in the past 12 months, see the point value assigned to them, total up the points, and if the total was above a certain level, I think it was 50, not sure now, then the odds were very high, take care of yourself or you're going to get sick, seriously sick. We, all of us, have been under a lot of stress lately. Many of you, much more than I, many of you in many serious, serious, stressful situations. I've been blessed by God, and I know that. Others, too, have been blessed by God. So for us, what is being an inconvenience for many of you is something very serious. And that's stressful. And with that stress and with the changes, you and I, we have been changed. We're different today than we were last January. We've been transformed. But here's the important point. How have we been transformed? How are we changed? For you see, our hearts, while they should be troubled by the changes, they should not be troubled by our God. The apostles were transformed by their experiences. They were transformed by witnessing Jesus' death, horribly transformed. They were transformed by witnessing his resurrected body and being with him by his ascension. In their experiences, they went from excitement to puzzlement to despair to confusion to joy. From the excitement of being with a dynamic teacher to the puzzlement of the Last Supper to the despair of Good Friday to the confusion of Easter morning to the joy of the resurrection and the experience of Pentecost. And throughout, Jesus had told them, let your hearts not be troubled. Instead, they should believe in God and believe in Him. That there is a place for them. That He was leaving them, but He would come again. And that He would take you to Myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And Jesus speaks these same words to us. And not just at funerals. Where is Jesus now? Jesus is with us. We serve a suffering God. We serve one who came and is one with us as a human being who suffered. And he came and he's left and he's come again. And he will come yet again. And our hearts need not be troubled. By his words, by his promise, he's in the Father and the Father is in him. And we have that promise in today's Scripture. Believe in Me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in Me. And we have His promise that as we abide in Him, He will abide in us. The question we're left with is, can we follow Jesus and be transformed? And the answer after Easter Sunday is a resounding yes, we can. By His life and His death and His resurrection, Jesus has given us the hope 
of a transformation into God's kingdom of the here and now. He has given us the way that our hearts will not be troubled. But just like the apostles, for what we are called to believe in Him and through Him, we are called to believe in the Father. I want to end with a prayer and and with a task that I would ask each of you to do. First, the prayer. It's from Psalm 31. And it's not all of the psalm, just some of the verses. I take refuge in you, Lord. Please never let me be put to shame. Rescue me by your righteousness. Listen closely to me. Deliver me quickly. Be a rock that protects me. Be a strong fortress that saves me. You are definitely my rock and my fortress. Guide me and lead me for the sake of your good name. Get me out of this net that's been set for me because you are my protective fortress. I entrust my spirit into your hands. You, Lord, God of faithfulness, you have saved me. My future is in your hands. Don't hand me over to my enemies, to all who are out to get me. Shine your face on your servant. Save me by your faithful love. And now the task. As you go in the world, as you take God's Word into your heart and into the world, when you do make those forays, or maybe when you stand in your window, or when you drive your car, catch the eye of anyone and everyone you meet and wave at them and smile. doesn't matter whether you know them or not. matter of fact, it's even better if you don't. Wave at them and smile. And know that your heart need not be troubled, particularly when you see them smile back. Amen. We come now to that time in our service where we have the opportunity to give back to our God those things that He has given to us. Now, these are difficult times. And if you cannot make that contribution now, please do not feel under that obligation. And even if you could, but it would be stretching you and and hurting please do not feel compelled to do that. But for those who can give, you can give online, and you will see um, both in the chat box and, and on our screen the, um, how, to, how to do that online. How to, we've got the, um, that wonderful little square that you can, you can scan with your uh, reader uh, and give that way. Uh, you can mail a check to the church. Our office is still open uh, for receiving mail. Um, And our address is 4201 North Fairfax Drive, Arlington, Virginia, 22203. And we give not only with our money, but we also give with our prayers, with our presence, with our donations of food, all that is we're doing and continue to do. And let us also give our offering of joy in this ability to give back to our Savior, recognizing that all our Lord has given us. So let's clap and cheer and bang a drum if you have one.